Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Closers, a podcast featuring a team of public relations professionals at Pinkston in Washington, D.C. From media personalities to pioneers in healthcare and disruptors in business, we talk with some of America's most interesting people who tell interesting stories. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. This is Coffee with Closers. Joining us today on our CEO Spotlight is Dr. Stephen Jones. He is the president and CEO of Innova Health System, the leading nonprofit healthcare system in Washington, D.C. region, serving more than 2 million people annually across its five hospitals and numerous ambulatory programs. A board-certified practicing urological surgeon, Dr. Jones is also a professor of urology at the University of Virginia School of Medicine and editor-in-chief of the American Urological Association's journal, Urology Practice. He also serves on the boards of the American Medical Group Association, AMGA, Greater Washington Partnership, and the Northern Virginia Chamber of Commerce. Prior to joining ANOVA, he spent more than two decades at the Cleveland Clinic, holding a number of leadership positions, including president of the Cleveland Clinic Regional Hospitals and Family Health Centers. Dr. Jones, welcome to Coffee with Closers. It's an honor to have you join us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and it's an honor to be here with you today, and I appreciate the kind words. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's jump in. we got a lot to talk about today, but before we talk about the future of healthcare and the future of Innova, I want you to tell our listeners who is Dr. Stephen Jones. You've been in healthcare for more than 30 years. You're, you're a surgeon, a professor, and now you're leading one of the top uh, hospitals in greater Washington. Talk to us about your uh, just your early life, your upbringing, and what got you into uh, following this career path and devoting your life to help improve healthcare outcomes for people. I'd like to tell you it was an intentional path, but it's been far from that. I was raised on a farm in Arkansas uh, and had the uh, fortune of uh, getting a good education. And uh, at some point, my mother mentioned to me that uh, uh, with uh, my strong background in science, and I like people a lot. She goes, you know, medical school sounds like the place for you. So I literally applied to <laughs> one, one medical school and through a series of, of uh, fortunate uh, meeting the right people, uh, having some successes early in life. At some point, I found myself leading a significant part of uh, the, my former organization, mm-hmm. Cleveland Clinic. And then about five years ago, was approached about a role here in Northern Virginia that uh, I hadn't been on a plane for almost two decades to look for a job. But something caught my ear, especially this is a great place to live. And I, what I found here is, is what many of you have experienced, which is phenomenal health care with a story not yet fully baked and told mm. and the ability to, to create what I think is, you know, arguably the, the best health system in the country. I, I recognize that's a big statement, but when I see the work that's gone on and hearing the stories, including even some stories we've shared here this morning as we got ready for this conversation, um, keeps me ever, commit, ever more committed to that vision. That's wonderful. And the results are trending in that direction too. You're having a, not just regional, but national impact. It's really fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, we are. And, and I think we now have a voice on the national stage and we're proud to take that. We take it with, with humility, recognizing that we're here in D.C. And, and uh, you know, in D.C., you, you do have the opportunity to be in, in the years that you wouldn't otherwise. And yep. we uh, accept that responsibility. Oh, that's great. 
All right, we're going to jump into the issues of the day. Um, the focus of today's interview is on the future of healthcare and the future of Innova. But I want to, before we look forward, I think we need to take a, a step back and look at back at the two years that was COVID and still is COVID um, that arrived on our doorstep. Innova did amazing work uh, in those early days, even before it became the crisis that we know it. We knew it as. I know you guys set up a task force. You had a website constant information going out to people, uh, stocking up on the PPEs and all of that. Um, so from your vantage point, what did we, what have we learned from COVID? What, what is the, what legacy has it left us? And, you know, maybe what still might be to come. On a societal level, we learned a lot of things that <clears throat> I'm not sure we really wanted to know. We've had difficulties as a society. Uh, in healthcare, I think what we learned is that the fundamentals matter and that even principles as, as simple as Humility and psychological safety matter. I can think of sitting not far from here in those early weeks and no one in the building was an expert on COVID-19. The disease didn't exist a few weeks before. And by willing to learn and learn quickly to bring the right expertise, sometimes the, the very most junior person in the conversation to the front, we were fortunate to, to have very high successes with it. A, a good example would have been in the early days, in speaking to my counterpart CEOs around the country in those just first few weeks of COVID, we were having places, very well-known nationally you know, recognized places, tell us that, for example, don't use ECMO, which is an abbreviation for one of the most complex, um, for the most sick uh, patients, including sick from COVID-19. And the results in those places were abysmal. Patients were just simply going to die. And so the word on the street was, don't do that treatment. Our team came uh, forward and they said, we think they're not treating the right patients. We don't think they've got the right protocols. Trust us, you know, and, you know, we these patients, frankly, were going to die otherwise. So I fortunately was humble enough to trust them, even though the advice was not to do that. And our, you know, successes were in the range of 80% of those folks who would have been left to die otherwise. 80% of those folks went home to their families. And that was one of just multiple examples where us learning quickly and being willing to not have all the right answers allowed us to deliver incredible care. Oh, that's great. One that's quick follow-up. One, one follow <clears throat> I read a story in the New York Times recently and uh, about hospital building design. And one of the interesting, it struck me as an interesting because now as hospitals are building new facilities, they're sort of incorporating new elements of building to make sure that uh, maybe a, uh, you know, a general patient population room can be easily transferred and wings can be used to. And I'm just curious, um, that's a change that came out of COVID just from an operational uh, standpoint. You know, are there things that have been it that maybe the public doesn't know about in terms of things that have been institutionalized that will be part of the uh, process going forward? Well, part of that work had already started before COVID hit. And, and we were, um, we've got a couple of very large projects that we are in the long-term planning for here in Northern Virginia, including uh, rebuilding one hospital on two sites. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, what I, my perspective has been, I can't really tell you for sure what healthcare is going to look like in 30 years. So the more flexible we are towards that, the more likely we are to be prepared. So for example, acuity adaptable rooms. So the, the rooms that we build can be ICUs or they can be regular patient rooms. They actually can probably be converted to procedure rooms under oh. the right circumstances. Oh, wow. So that if technology changes and, and healthcare looks completely different, we built something that then we don't have to re rebuild. Now, specific to COVID, for example, um, pandemic ready is a phenomenon that's hit the, uh, the hospital design work since COVID hit. 
And indeed, as we looked at designing these to build, it's it's amazing how wonky you can get to build increased air handling and increased ability to, to circulate and increased ability to get electricity into the, the additional work for negative pressure to be able to pull out. It kind of sounds easy as a cancer surgeon. It all sounds simple to me. When we talk to our engineers, it's far from that. And it ends up being multi-million dollars in additional investment as you build the hospitals. But that way in 30 years, if we have another pandemic like that, we're most prepared to be able to deal with it. Yeah, that's interesting. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I want to transition if we could. Um, and I just want to say, you know, thank you for leading during COVID. I mean, the I've done a lot of work in the intelligence community and then moved into healthcare as a result of being a patient and actually translated a lot of technology. So this this idea of agility and being future-proof to the fullest extent possible um, is just super innovative and uh, impactful. And, and you navigated the unknown in a way that uh, few were able to. And, you know, our, our community says thank you. You know, it, it helped, it mattered. Thank you so much. Especially when you think about 80% of folks that didn't have a chance got to go home. That's amazing. Um, so how about if we talk a little bit about healthcare today and kind of the macro, like zoom out. You're, you know, increasing in the rankings, having national impact, not just because of proximity, but also because of performance. And thinking through, you know, it's a, an increasing percentage of our GDP. We have an aging demographic as a country. Um, what do you think about where we're at and, and what has to be true? You know, where do we need to pivot? If, if that's a, a fair question. Uh, just, just to finish the question, maybe. If you looked at, uh, I know this isn't true at Inova, but if you look nationally, the percentages of folks that are just delighted with their care, really happy about an experience in the health system is relatively low. What would have to be true for that to start to be reversed? I think one thing, it's, it's kind of like Congress, you know, nobody likes Congress, but most people like their congressperson. Yeah, that's very and, true. And, and most people don't like healthcare, but they like their doctor. They love their nurse. They love yeah, the person who that is true. You know, did their dressing changes or, or helped them with their respiratory therapy. So it's ultimately, we look at it as it's all about a relationship. And that if you've got a relationship with a person, then things go well. Let's face it, you take care of, of each other. So what we at Inova are trying to do is to, no matter what happens in the macroeconomic environment, is to be a relationship-based organization to where our patients think of us not as Inova, but as my Inova. And it's not always going to be that doctor that you got that long-term relationship with because they can't be there 365. But to know that whoever's there will also be there with the right culture, the right mindset, so that we're committed to your care as an individual, not just as somebody comes through as a patient number, but as an individual. And the more that we get that, the more we have successes. And when you look at some of our demonstrable successes on, you know, whether it be from rankings or ratings, it's really not about reputation. It's really about showing the outcomes, whether it be showing yeah. outcomes yeah. In, in survival would be one, but also out, outcomes in just, did I feel respected? Did I feel valued? And that's easy to say, hard to accomplish across a very large organization, but the reason that I feel that we've had such success is we have really extraordinary people. And everybody would say that, of course. We, we are, in fact, one of the reasons I came to ANOVA from Cleveland Clinic is that I saw the foundation of really extraordinary people that I knew could be pulled together to create one team to do exactly that. So regardless of the macro environment, 
we believe that's going to be the real key to having people be, you know, us be successful, but patients to value the healthcare that they're getting. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting, you know, having been a patient, um, when you feel cared for, your, you know, hope and mindset in terms of healing is also aided greatly. You know, when someone walks in the room and you're like, inspired or grateful or, or you, you have that connection. It's, it really does matter. Your, your care does matter a lot. So thank you for leading that way. Um, I wanted to talk about this from your standpoint as a CEO in a big health system. And the policy in healthcare, you know, is unpredictable. I'll just put it that way. There's a lot of changes that happen at the national level. They don't always happen quickly, but they tend to be sweeping, whether it's in reimbursements or the structure. You know, if you went back several years ago, there was some thinking about, are we moving towards a one-payer system? And, you know, like the NHS and so on. And how do you navigate? And, and you know, most people that are at the executive tier in most industries have a degree of stabilization around macro factors, um, I mean, there's always disruptive things happening, but how do you manage in that kind of environment as you think about leading a large organization? Well, one is not to get too caught up on the headline of the day. <clears throat> and you've looked at over the last few years, uh, people have talked about, quote, value-based care. And if you yeah. ask people what they mean by that, they mean about 15 different things, okay? And I could probably write you out 15 definitions. Right. But when at the concepts of value-based care, realistically, very few places in the country have made any significant inroads to what is discussed as value-based care. Uh, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, lots of discussion of Medicare for all. You know, that's mm -hmm. the thing that's coming. And, you know, each time there's always some new headline of what the new threat is. And so what we try to do is to, to not get too lost in that imminent threat knowing that any of them could come along. I mean, we could, we could see a complete change from Washington in the healthcare environment. It's, it's possible. But we can't sit here waiting you know, for that to happen. And so it goes back to, I think for us, it's really foundationally making sure we're clear who we are. That, you know, it goes back to that. We, we want to be that place that you know cares for you. And that's only part of it. Knowing that we care helps. But knowing that we can also deliver on yeah, the Yeah, you're goods. good at it. So it really is really <laughs> important. Yeah. You don't get a choice. Uh, although I think that's one of the things that differentiates us is that you see a lot of places that deliver phenomenal scientific care, you know, technical expertise, you know, the highest complexity of technology. And you see a lot of places that are really, you know, they're going to treat you with, with respect and be nice and all that stuff. I think that our focus on making sure we have both of those, yeah. that we never sacrifice in either of those, that's really, to me, the, the real key to our success. So no matter what happens in the payer environment or Washington or whatnot, yeah. as long as you know we're there to, to do that for you, you're unlikely to really want to change your care. And then by the same token, if we don't do that for you, you're going to walk with your feet or you're going to talk to your congressperson about maybe we do need to change that. So we, we think not get lost in the short term, but to have a long-term commitment to our patients. Yeah, I mentioned this before the show, but I've been a patient over at Nova and literally your team saved my life. And so I have a great respect, affection, appreciation for what you do. And our family is different because you guys, your team was... Uh, caring for us and not just me when I was sick, but also my family, my wife and children and the experience we had, you know, gave us hope and help and more great days together. So that's, I, I think that's why people show up at your doors. They're looking for more great days and you're able to deliver them. 
And, you know, you told me that as we first, you know, had the conversation beforehand. I have more goosebumps now hearing it than before. And as we bottle that, as we help our team see the impact on you, okay, you're one person, you're one family. But when they see that impact, that's what keeps them continuing to, to go that extra mile and to show up on that day off. You'd mentioned earlier, the nurse that saw you yeah. came in on her day off the next day because she had developed a concern for you, yeah. a care for you, a relationship with you. She came in on her day off to make sure you were okay. Now, that's not going to happen every day, but when you when you can bottle that, then there's nothing that these folks can't do. And it goes back to the COVID crisis. In the early days, I got to tell you, it was frightening. And I remember one Friday afternoon being in uh, Marine Sanchez, our chief nurse executive. I had just made rounds in the hospital, came back over to, to her office, and we we're the only two in the building at that point, late Friday afternoon. And we were talking about, you know, this is the first few weeks. We're talking about if I'm one of the folks over in the hospital all day, and I still still see patients, but obviously nowhere near what they were. How do we know they're not just going to walk out and say, I don't need this? There's a deadly disease. We don't know really fully understand what caused it. We don't know how to treat it or even how to, well, we did know how to protect ourselves. Fortunately, we did a phenomenal job on that. What if everybody walks out? It's just you and me taking care of the patients. It was really frightening days. But what happened is no one walked out. They had a commitment to their community. And even though the patients weren't really even all there, they were there ready knowing that their friends, their neighbors, their family members were going to need that care. So we saw that happen. We know that there's really not much you could throw at us that we really couldn't ultimately be here to make sure we overcome. I've worked in the, as I mentioned, alongside the military, the intelligence community, you know, people that you would characterize as national heroes. And then we went through that crisis. The people that work at ANOVA and in healthcare were, you know, there was a lot of especially when we didn't understand what was going on. When they would show up, you would see all the sacrifices being made for the good of their communities. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about what those days were like. Well, they were hard, first of all, but they were also invigorating. You know, we knew we, knew we had a battle against an, an unseen enemy. And so people really pulled together in that. And it felt great to know that our communities were behind us. You know, I mean, you I can think of all the stories of people, you know, children get, you know, taking their lunch money and sending it to make sure that the nurses had, you know, something to eat, something to eat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Local restaurateurs, you know, um, I, I could name so many of them that I, I don't want to leave anyone leave out. out. Local restaurateurs who didn't have any customers. So they said, what do we do? We make food. We can't take care of patients in the ICU. We can't carry stretchers, but we can make food. And they would bring that show up at the, at the, um, emergency department, just, you know, knock on the door, like, here, I'm here with food. You know, think about how good that would feel to someone who's left their family, not sure they're going to be safe when they come home, and then know that their community came behind them like that. That, that was really invigorating. Now, I'll also acknowledge that we've changed. And we went from an environment where there were people clapping on plan, pans uh, to where now people come to the building and will slap some of our caregivers as well. Uh, and that's very hard. You know, that environment's changed. That, the tears of gratitude drop very quickly. And so, you know, one of our greatest challenges right now are members of our communities who are coming in and not having appreciation for the heroes, as you described them, uh, who are doing that work. And, and we've also had to take that on. Uh, and with our team members, we've just taken it on with a, a, a as with all the, everything at ANOVA, with the transparency. Yes, this is the society we live in, but we are here to make sure that that part of your job is not being mistreated as well. So we went from, you know, 
Big swing. Claps to slaps. It's unfortunate. Uh, but it's getting better now. And part of that's because we've been very clear. I happened to be in the hospital early this morning. The sign is there. You know, there are expectations of you when you come into the healthcare environment. This is a healing environment. You better be part of it or or, or you can't be part of it. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Steve and I were talking and uh, I had a, a couple of thoughts. There's a lot of outside disruption coming into healthcare. And I'll just cite a couple of examples um, at one point, it was Amazon, Berkshire, and J.P. Morgan. Uh, you know, Apple talks about becoming a healthcare company. Um, Walmart is delivering care for veterans, doing telemedicine. Um, how do you see this outside? These outside forces and the work that you're doing are they things to be embraced? How do you manage kind of all these things that are non-traditional that you also have to? either contend with or embrace? How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it, it requires you to look in two different directions at the same time. And of course, we're watching what goes on in there. They are potential big competitors. When, at, when, when Amazon comes into your industry and decides to make a major impact, we know that there's some folks who aren't still in business as a result of that. Um, but we don't take our eye off the ball of, one is we have a responsibility to take care of you right now. And number two is with most of those that are called, you know, so-called disruptors, I think there's a naivety at how complex healthcare is. And there's that's become almost a joke. Oh, healthcare is complex. Well, it really is. And it goes back to you have to do everything from that ECMO I talked about with the most acute, critical, every little piece matters or people die, down to the simple thing where sometimes you need to just be there to tell, you know, a young family. Your child is fine. Children sniffle, and it's not anything other than a sniffle. You have that whole continuum. It's hard to do that. Most people in our industry have been doing that for decades, and we've built upon that. So for someone to come in and say, well, we'll be able to take all of that is probably, in my opinion, naive. Now, having said that, there's no doubt that they will nibble at various edges, and there will be places where they will take part of the work that we do away. Whether that'll be long-term, I don't know. We watch them every day. But we're pretty confident, again, if we stick with our knitting, as the, the sewing, saying would be, that that as they get their foothold, we'll be ready to, to respond in any way. And we certainly, with any of them, want to make sure that we work in a healthcare ecosystem. You, know, you, see, you can't parse off just part of it because these human beings, they're human beings, okay? They live 24-7, 365. And so if you take just a little episode out of it, okay. But we're responsible 365 for you. So we, so we definitely want to make sure that our care is coordinated with their care. And the last thing I'll say on that is, and I tell this to my team frequently, is that no one says, I want my care to be more disaggregated, okay, to be less coordinated. No one says, so So when you hear outsiders well, say, true. oh, people are looking for change in healthcare. Well, they may be looking for change, but they're not saying, I want to be less coordinated or less aligned in my care. That's a great point. Yeah, that is. That's interesting. Um, all right, I want to turn now to a little bit of the work that you're doing at Innova. Um, as I was prepping for the show here, I was going through, and I mean, the list is incredibly long. Um, <laughs> right. uh, you've got uh, plans for a new Alexandria Hospital. Uh, I saw that the Fairfax County Board approved 1 million square foot Innova Springfield. Uh, you've got a new Pride Clinic. Um, you've, it's a lot of great, great things, both in terms of <clears throat> campuses and services. Talk a little bit about kind of what you, what you have going on, um, and how, how all this is going. 
We named a bunch of them. And one of our greatest <clears throat> challenges in healthcare is focus, you know, because yeah. we could indeed do uh, almost everything. So yeah. we, we are trying to prioritize those various areas that are of significant, both short and long-term need. We've got, uh, again, a Nova Alexandria Hospital when I first came to Innova, I was told that, that this facility is reaching end of life and would have to be replaced. Now, I've been around healthcare for a long time, so I thought, there's no way. And in looking at it now for four years, it really not only has to be replaced, but there's not a place in the city of Alexandria that would be big enough to replace it in total. So we are going to have to replace it in, in two different sites. Um, and so that that's the biggest of those. But when you look at a lot of our work, it's really on on assuring just access, not to the big complex care. It's just making sure that you can get an appointment. And once you're in the system, that you can navigate the system. And that sounds really easy, but it goes back to the example with disruptors. If it were easy, there'd be a whole lot of people already doing it well. But we probably spend as much time on seamless access as we do on creating big buildings. And so the big buildings get the, the headlines, but creating that seamless access to know that, again, 365, you have what you need. It's not the it's not very glorious, but it's actually probably a bigger part of the the focus work that we're doing. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. <clears throat> and when is the um, when is the uh, Alexandria? What's the timeline for the Alexandria Hospital and for the Innova Springfield? So we, still a couple of approvals to go, but realistically, these are still going to be kind of in the twenty six to twenty eight twenty eight uh, time frame, right? Gotcha. Excellent. Yeah, and then you did mention we actually have another uh, large ambulatory facility going in an Oakville Potomac yard. Oh, and, and wow. Healthcare, we're never going to run out of need for complex critical care, but more and more healthcare goes outside the hospital setting. So, so a lot of our work, again, doesn't generate the big headlines, but it's developing care in your neighborhood. And that was an area that we felt that we could serve better. And there are several, you know, even from small little places around the, the, the geography we serve. And I'm particularly proud of the work the organization started even before I did, which is looking into communities that previously have been completely underserved. And the best example, when we had Medicaid expansion in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we recognized, the people from my team, not me, I want to give credit where due, recognized there were areas where people had new coverage, but they didn't have care there. And let's face it, lots of people aren't going into communities where there are high Medicaid rates. Yeah. We see that as our responsibility, regardless of where you are here, from, from where we sit, to any of our most challenged communities. So we built you know, clinics, we call them Innova Cares clinics, out where these new individuals were needing care. To, because you know, if you only have care by, by taking three or four buses to get there, you don't have care. And when you go, it's interesting, um, I uh, toured our former governor um, early on in one of these clinics, and I was able to say with all sincerity, this clinic has better facilities than the one that I personally see patients in you know, newer, shinier, all that. So it's not just putting the care, but it's getting the right care with the wraparound services. And so that's to really be proud of because that's where we change lives. You know, you take people who have significantly um, shorter life expectancy and get the care that they need, not only the medical care, but the wraparound services they need. That's where you can make a real impact. And our team has unsung heroes doing that 24-7. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. Great stuff going on. That's cool. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, I know if we continue, you guys as a system are winning awards and recognition for your transformative work and impact. Uh, you ranked number one locally in Virginia um, for U.S. News and World Report. Straight A ratings from the LeapFrog Group for five years running. 
And the only large health system in America to have every one of its hospitals rated five stars by CMS. That's amazing. And not simple. You know, again, going back to complexity, easy to talk about, hard to do. That's in that category. And Becker's Healthcare recently highlighted Nova for, you know, oper- strong operational mac- metrics and just the way the place is run, you know, to your credit. As a leader, and you're thinking about, you know, we, we've talked about all the complexities, the disruption, the policy, um, converting, you know, aging facilities into, and, and going in and into um, perhaps underserved communities and, and really having impact. What's next? Where do you go from here? What's top of mind? And we still have a lot of work to do right here. And uh, when I came to Nova, we um, significantly uh, focused our work right here in Northern Virginia. And there's certainly plenty of places we could grow over time. When, when we're taking care of everyone in Northern Virginia, then maybe we'll go look for other places, <laughs> right. places to go. But if you think about those um, recognitions, none of them came out of reputation. Okay, we know the reputation follows. It's not, a, it's not that we've got better ads or anything. It's that those entities you mentioned, you know, LeapFrog, CMS, you know, real, they're, they're measuring the outcomes. And that when you are, take an honest look at yourself on what your real outcomes are, it's pretty hard to hide. So we actually spend our time again just on that, not on generating the next place to go out and, and do something different, but on assuring that, that we relentlessly have the best care. And so fortunately, the, the numbers didn't reflect that. But it's hard to do that on an enduring basis. So you mentioned LeapFrog being five or six years in a row now. I think it's five years in a row now. Straight A, you know, that comes from relentless focus from not ever letting go on, you know, whether it be from simple things, which to the, to the common folks would think like, okay, hand washing, how important is that? Well, it's really important in our industry. So making sure you stay at the high, highest level on that, assuring that patients are at the lowest risk of fall. And, and there's a number of those things we follow. Relentless focus on that and the other pieces then follow is really a key mm-hmm. part of our strategy. That's, yeah, super. Yeah, Thanks okay. so much. Dr. Jones, I have a quick follow-up to Jim's point. <clears throat> um, is there anything, are there any challenges that you and your peers um, sort of keeping an eye on, you know, we've been through two years of COVID. You guys do amazing, groundbreaking, world-class healthcare work at ANOVA. That obviously needs to continue and it's, it's, it's a challenge. So I'm just curious as we look around the bend, is there anything that maybe, I wouldn't say maybe keeps you up at night, but things that you wrestle with and, and are trying to get ahead of the curve? Yeah, I think there's a combination of two things and then they're largely tied together there are significant financial challenges to our industry right now. If you look at any of the, the reports, Becker's, mm-hmm. Kaufman, yeah. Hall, you name it, uh, you know, the majority of hospitals in the country are losing money right now. Okay. I didn't say not making as much money, you know, losing money. You can only lose money in any business so long. It's a huge challenge. And it ties to our workforce, national workforce. And that uh, our, across the industry, labor costs are up, you know, in the double digits, you know, and our, Unlike other industries where you just can pass on prices or decide not to, to yeah. do things, in our industry, you know, we have multi-year contracts. So if our rates go up 2% by contract, even if our expenses are up double digits, we have no ability to change that other than trying to keep our cost in, in, in check. And the, the biggest cost, of course, is our workforce. That's so why we are, are committed to having being the best place to work. Uh, we'll have a session tomorrow morning and it will be totally dedicated 
to our workforce, keeping this the place where we, people want to work and that we've got to make sure they've got adequate compensation, they've got adequate benefits. But those are kind of table stakes at this point. It really goes back to the, to the conversation on the nurse. She came in on her day off, okay? We could have paid her a lot and not got her to come in on our day off, but but she came in because she cared. So uh, fortunately, we're in front of the pack on that, but that's the, the greatest challenges to the workforce. It's also why I care so much about when our workforce is mistreated. I care personally about that. And I and I made I made the decision to put the signs out there and to make clear of you will come into this place and you will treat our, our team with respect because they are here to take care of you, you know, and they're they could be making more money probably somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So so we have to make sure that we protect our healthcare workforce. And it's not only now, but you know, we're working for you know, we work on workforce development, you know, looking even as at as early as in school, grade school. A lot of people think about growing up and being a doctor or a nurse. Very few people think, I want to grow up and be a lab tech or respiratory therapist or all the other critical pieces. And those are absolutely as critical as the doctor or the nurse. And so we're trying to make sure that all the various pieces of healthcare have the right manpower moving forward. And that's going to be a rest of my career type work. Yeah, that's wonderful. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, we want to be mindful of your time, Dr. Jones. It was really great having you. Um, we're going to give you the last word. Is there anything that um, you'd like to share with our listeners that uh, maybe we didn't bring up, but you feel is important to convey? I, first of all, I want to thank the community, uh, you know, nationwide, but certainly this community that we're fortunate to, li- to live in here. Uh, thanks for all your support on, on those early days. Thanks for at this point listening to us when, you know, this, regardless of what stress there may be and out in the community, in the healing environment, we're going to do everything to make sure that that's not a negative to us. So, so I want to thank that. Second is to recognize, you know, we're here for the long term. We've made a commitment to be here to provide healthcare in and around Northern Virginia for the long term. We're not looking out to go and, you know, invent the next drug. We're not looking to do some of those other things that others may find intriguing, but we will assure you we'll be here and you'll have the best care of any place in the community. And when I talk to the local community leaders, and they're trying to get you know new employees to come in, knowing that their employees that they're trying to hire can come in and get that care, I think is one of the key pieces that we're proud or key roles we're proud to play in our community. Hmm. That's great. Thanks so much. Dr. Jones, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you join us today. We are grateful for the work you, your team, and all of the Innova staff do to take care of the people in the communities you serve uh, each and every day. We wish you continued success now and in the future. Thanks again for joining us on Coffee with Closers. And thank you for all you do for all of us. We really appreciate it. It's a privilege. I'm thankful to you both. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. We're the Pinkston team. And this has been Coffee with Closers. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes and follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Catch us next time. We know you're not busy.